Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am once again joined by PFF's lead fantasy analyst to recap another week in the NFL, the great Nathan Yonke. Nate, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I had a good weekend. Got to go to the Cincinnati Bearcats football game on Saturday. Don't typically give myself time to actually go to football games during football season since I'm too busy working, but gave myself that time, even though they lost to Baylor at home, but... And we had a good games of football yesterday, some weird games, but luckily not a ton of injuries. So have some other things to talk about outside of the injuries, which is nice. Nice. Yeah, that's good. It's always good to kind of get out during the football season. It's uh, it's not easy. That's for sure. We are mm-hmm. we are very busy during this time of the year, but uh, that that does sound like fun. Um, but yeah, it was another wacky week uh, in the NFL as usual. So we're going to go through it all. We're going to go through all the recaps um, again, not necessarily going game by game more focusing on the top takeaways from this past week. And, and Nate, you have the top uh, takeaways from every single game up on pff.com right now as well. If there is something that maybe you want to hear about that we don't cover today for whatever reason, um, you can definitely check that out on the website for free on pff.com. So before we get into it, let's give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor fabric by Gerber life. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible fault policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy, M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states, prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Okay, let's get things started with one of, if not the biggest frustration among fantasy managers on Sunday, which was the usage or or lack thereof of Bijan Robinson, who had one single touch that went for three yards, but he might also have had some kind of illness that kept him from being more involved. So weird situation here, Nate. How did things unfold uh, with the Falcons backfield yesterday? Uh, yeah, so we had Tyler Algier get the start and Cordero Patterson was the primary backup, which confused a lot of us throughout the game trying to figure out what exactly was going on. Uh, prevailing theory was Robinson did something to make the coaches angry. Um, plenty of talk on Twitter trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, by halftime, we did get word from Arthur Smith that uh, he just wasn't feeling right. So uh, we got that. And then after the game, uh, we got a little bit more detail of Robinson uh, started dealing with a headache last night, um, tried to take medicine, nothing was helping. And eventually um, Arthur Smith said, hey, let's worry. You worry about you right now. We'll worry about getting the win. And he did still play primarily in third downs and passing situations. So a lot near the end of both halves of the game. So even though he was dealing with that still late in the fourth quarter when the game was on the line, he was on the field. So still a little confusing here and there. Um, We live in a world where a lot of this news typically gets out before the game. I know like before the 1 PM kickoffs, I have ESPN, NFL network box open, all waiting to hear what the reporters have to say. Even Jake Glazer 10 minutes before the game still has some things here and there so I can get the rankings up to date, but 
this did not get out anywhere. So plenty of people still started Robinson. I still had him, I think, 11th in my rankings this week. So sorry for anyone who started him and had a disappointing week. But hopefully this is not something that we see going forward. Hopefully he's fine. Um, definitely keep an eye on the injury reports and something like that should probably show up. So um, hopefully he's a full participant in practice each week. And if he is a full participant throughout the week or even limited to start the week and fall by the end of the week, I'm going to have no problem putting him back in my starting lineups going forward. Yeah, this, this was really strange. And, and like you said, obviously if he wasn't feeling well or there's something else going on, like the headaches or something like that, it's still weird that he did get in the game and, and they even gave him a carry at one point. So that, that whole part of it is just really strange to me. And I, as soon as I start to hear headaches and stuff like that, I, I immediately like have flashbacks like Percy Harvin's migraines that that kept him out like ultra talented player, but you know couldn't stay healthy. And th- those were something that definitely affected his playing time and everything. So hopefully it's nothing like that. Hopefully it's just a one week kind of blip on the radar here for for Bijan Robinson going forward, like you say, because yeah, that that was a really really strange situation on on Sunday. So we'll see yeah, if and like you. I was going to say, I think you like look at these guys of like superhuman figures that are playing this game, but they're human. And if I have a bad enough headache, I don't want to write an article, let alone (laughs) I'll try to avoid getting tackled by professional athletes. So this could also just be a one time thing where something was up with him and hopefully he's fine going forward, too, since I get headaches, too, sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, when you, you think about like how we feel sometimes when we're not 100%, um, and I just want to lay on the couch, I, I can't imagine trying to play a football game. Um, that's for sure. So uh, let's go on to another running back situation um, that we thought maybe could potentially be like a three-headed monster to have to deal with. It turns out that it's slightly better than that for fantasy purposes. Um, the Los Angeles Rams lean on two backs with Kyron Williams on injured reserve. So that's at least somewhat good news for fantasy manager managers, as long as you weren't relying on Zach Evans this week. Nate. Yeah. So we had Ronnie rivers with his knee injury and Kyron Williams with his ankle injury, both line on injured reserve this past week. So they missed this game and will miss at least the next three games of uh, the assumption to start the week with Zach Evans would be the guy since he was the only guy left on the roster. Um, I was skeptical at the time just because Evans was clearly fifth on the depth chart throughout Um, The preseason, I wouldn't have been surprised if they had cut Evans and tried to stash him on the practice squad. So I feel like he's only on the roster right now just to make sure he can develop and no one else can get him. Um, They added uh, Royce Freeman, who was on the practice squad. They signed him to the active roster, which was no surprise. Added Miles Gaskin from the Vikings practice squad. And the only way they could get him was by signing him onto the active roster because you can't go from one practice squad to another like that. And then their former running back, Daryl Henderson, also signed to the practice squad since he was not any roster, but called up from the practice squad for this game. Uh, we found out from reporters before the game that it would be a combination of Henderson and Freeman who would get the majority of the work. Maybe we would see Evans, but we ended up not seeing Evans at all. And Gaskin wasn't active for this game. So it ended up being a rotation by drive, basically, where Henderson got the first drive, Freeman got the second drive, Henderson got the third drive, and so on. Um, Typically, when Freeman had his drives, Henderson would still come on the field for a play or two. So Henderson was the one who ended up with more playing time, more carries in this game. Uh, Henderson ran 18 times for 61 yards compared to 12 times for 66 yards by Freeman. So I'm going to guess this 
for the next three weeks is probably how the backfield is going to end up just because Henderson and Freeman have both been in the Sean McVay offense for so long that I'm not sure if Miles Gaskin, there's a chance Gaskin with his talent could end up seeing some playing time down the road, but it seems like Henderson and Freeman have a pretty clear advantage at this point. So um, if you're looking for players off the waiver wire, Henderson is probably the one that I'd look to get, but I think in deeper leagues, Freeman and Freeman is also someone we're trying to target because the Rams do like to run the ball a lot and they run a lot of plays in general. Yeah, double-digit carries for both of them um, was nice to see. Henderson got a couple targets in there as well. So, yeah, definitely a chance that both of these guys can be viable options um, while Kyron Williams is on injured reserve here. But um, here's an interesting running back situation as well. Also from the NFC West, it was the Arizona Cardinals. Um, we, we talked about this backfield last week, and it was definitely not a very clear deployment in, in the first week without James Conner. But now in the second week without James Conner, um, we may have gotten a better picture of things until uh, Conner gets back, Nate. Yep, so Connor's missed the last two games, is on injured reserve, and will miss at least the next two. Uh, we saw Keontae Ingram be the primary early down back, and... Amari DiMarcado be the passing down back last week, and then Damian Williams, who had just signed a couple weeks ago on the practice squad for Arizona, also saw significant time uh, last week as the kind of backup runner on early downs. So in this game, DiMarcado basically completely took over Keontae Ingram's role. Uh, Damian Williams was still the primary backup on early downs, so it was kind of surprising that Williams remained an early down back and Keontae Ingram was restricted to just special teams plays, so it didn't seem like anything was necessarily wrong about Ingram. It was just a demotion for him compared to DiMarcado, so uh, he... Cotto ended up with 13 carries, uh, 58 yards, caught four passes for 17 yards. Uh, not the best game you'll see out of a running back, but still plenty of touches for him. And just based on what we saw this week, I wouldn't be surprised if this is what we see over the next two weeks as well. So DiMarcado, maybe not the best option to put in fantasy starting lineups since the matchups aren't all that great, but I could very well see him getting 15 touches again each of these next two games and there's always a chance that a running back with that many touches can break a long run, score a touchdown somewhere in there. So um, at least in some leagues, he's probably worth considering. Yeah. I mean, 13 carries, five targets. That's, that's a nice workload for him. I, like you said, the matchups going forward, he's got the Ravens and the Browns, the next two games. So not ideal uh, matchups for, for running backs necessarily, but the volume is there for him at least now. And we got a little bit of a clear deployment here for that backfield. So that was at least nice to see for fantasy purposes. Um, Okay, one more running back to cover here. We, we talked about Bijan, one of the most hyped rookie running backs in recent years, but right up there making a case for himself is the other first-round running back from this year's draft class. Jameer Gibbs goes for 68 yards and a touchdown on the ground and adds nine receptions for 58 receiving yards. Nate, no David Montgomery in this game, which gave us our second look this season of Jameer Gibbs as the clear lead back. Uh, yeah, we saw him dominate snaps even more than he did in the first game where he was the starter. Um, it was week three. He played 60% of snaps. Craig Reynolds was still heavily involved. Uh, Reynolds particularly in the past game in that game. But this is kind of the first game where we saw Gibbs get both significant carries and significant targets, which was good to see. So played a clear majority of offensive snaps. Um, 
it could partially be because Detroit just is thin at running back at the moment. Craig Reynolds uh, on the injury report with both a hamstring and a toe injury. So he still played in this game, but probably didn't play as much due to the injuries. And then Zonovan Knight, who's also been a backup for Detroit, currently out for the season. So Gibbs partially did this out of necessity, but it was also good to see that he is capable of having this much playing time. Um, didn't see as many carries as we would like just because it was a complete blowout by uh, the Ravens in this game. It was a touchdown by the Ravens, three and out by the Lions, touchdown by the Ravens, three and out by the Lions. So all it took was a couple of drives and a few plays into it for the Lions offense, and they're already down 28 to zero. So even though he had this much playing time, completely understandable that he didn't see that many carries, but then he was involved in the passing game. So ended the day. 11 carries, 68 rushing yards, 9 receptions, 58 receiving yards. So plenty of volume out of him. Uh, we are expecting Montgomery to miss at least a little bit more time. So Gibbs is someone that can definitely be put in fantasy starting lineups going forward, at least until Montgomery's back. Uh, they play the Raiders next week, which is a fairly favorable matchup. So could very well see Gibbs reaching 15 plus carries in that game. Maybe not as many receptions because they probably won't need to throw the ball as much but I could see Gibbs having another good game. So good to see out of the rookie. And it will be interesting to see how they ease Montgomery back in. And if Gibbs can maintain a larger role going forward, if he keeps playing well. Yeah, it was nice to see um, the workload again, like week three, like you said, we mentioned not as many carries this game, but we saw it in week three with Montgomery out where he had 17 carries posted 80 rushing yards. And then they beat Atlanta fairly easily that week so they didn't need to play catch up or anything so this was a good example of you know them getting him still heavily involved in the receiving game as well with all those targets as well so um yeah good stuff there for jameer gibbs definitely starting him as long as david montgomery is out as well um all right let's do a quick ad read here from our friends at prize picks Prize Picks is a skill-based, real-money, daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players. If they will go more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you could win up to 25 times your money on any entry. So, uh, Nate, we were kind of going over the, the Prize Picks uh, props here before we came on, and we picked out a couple um, that we liked. Which was, uh, what was your favorite uh, one for tonight's game? Uh, mine was TJ Hawkinson under 50.5 receiving yards. It's no longer national tight end day, so no more advantages <laughs> to the tight ends. But Hawkinson, literally the last two games, 50 receiving yards, 51 receiving yards. So he's been right around this mark, have been above it uh, half the time, below it half the time. But playing the 49ers defense, the 49ers have just been so good against tight ends in the last couple of seasons, but that's included this season. Uh, how Jake Ferguson, David Nujoku, Tyler Higby, Darren Waller, uh, Pat Fryermuth, all of them have been under 30 receiving yards against the 49ers, so well under that 50 mark. Uh, the only one who's hit it is uh, Zach Ertz with 53 yards. Uh, he took 41 routes to get there, took 10 targets to get there, so... Um, I think the odds are against Hawkinson. I think this will be a game where the 49ers will be up by a bit. I think the Vikings will need to throw a lot to come back, but I think the 49ers will just focus a lot of their defense on stopping Hawkinson with how good he is. So I think Hawkinson will be restricted to under 50.5 receiving yards. 
I like it. I like it. And then, yeah, the other one that I wanted to put in there was uh, Brandon Ayuk over five receptions. So no Debo Samuel tonight. I, I know we only had four receptions um, last week with with Samuel out for pretty much the entire game, uh, but he did see 10 targets in that game. So he still ended up with four receptions. I think, you know, again, he's going to be heavily targeted again here going against the Vikings. Um, and I think there's definitely a chance we can get the Brandon Ayuk over five receptions there. So um, check those out on prize picks. And remember, at Prize Picks, you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projection. So go to PrizePicks.com/fantasy and use code Fantasy for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Again, that's PrizePicks.com/fantasy uh, and use code Fantasy for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. All right, let's talk some wide receivers now. And that, of course, means that we are once again going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and their wide receiver rotation. But maybe we'll have some positive news regarding this uh, this group for once, Nate. Uh, yeah, the, the gift that keeps on giving and Rasheed yeah. Rice um, looks like he might finally be someone that could be worth starting in fantasy football, starting to gain a little bit more consistency, uh, put together his best statistical performance of the season, five passes, 60 yards and a touchdown. So good to see out of him. Um, we knew there was a chance he'd see more playing time this week with Justin Watson inactive with an elbow injury. Um, he was on the active roster and just inactive rather than getting put out injured reserve. So there's a chance Watson will be back in the next couple weeks. But it was also interesting to see that Kadarius Tony, who uh, he was dealing with the toe injury, but was a full participant in practice all week. His playing time decreased rather significantly in this game. So it wasn't just one wide receiver. They were down, but two. So this led to a pretty sizable increase in playing time for both Rice and Justin Ross, uh, slight increases in playing time for Maquas, Vadis Scantling and Sky Moore. Uh, Vadis Scantling um, was interesting in that uh, it's been him and Watson that have been the deep threats for Kansas City these last two seasons. So with Watson out, Vadis Scantling was the solo deep threat in the offense, and Watson has been putting up some decent games this season. Vadis Scantling not so much, but in this game, Vadis Scantling was the one who made a couple nice big catches, including a touchdown, his best game of the season as well. Um, someone probably not someone I'm targeting off the waiver wire after this big game, just because I think once Watson is back, Vade Scantling won't have these same kind of games again, but he might be decent in the short term. But I think Rice, this could be a change that we see in the long term. I think if they continue to um, reduce Kadarius Tony's playing time, so Rice can see more playing time without having to reduce the playing time of Sky Moore, who's another young player that they're relying on. I think that'll be pretty big for the offense and for Rice in general. He's been by far the Chiefs' best wide receiver this season, looking at basically any metric you want to look at. Um, the only thing to be concerned about is they did trade for Meikle Hardman earlier in the week, the longtime former Chief. Um, it's been both Hardman and Rice as the primary slot receivers for Kansas City over the past two seasons. So if Hardman sees an increase in playing time, that could come at the expense of Rice. But they could have also traded for Hardman primarily to use him on special teams, which he did a good job of in this past week. Um, Hardman played limited snaps on offense, I think 11 total in this game. So it'll be interesting to see if Hardman sees more playing time on offense going forward. And if so, who loses playing time at that expense? But um, there's also a chance Richie James, who's on injured reserve, could come back at some point. So they have up to eight wide receivers that they could want to get involved on offense. If everyone is healthy, someone will have to get 
released from the roster. So it'll be interesting to see what continues to go on going forward, but a pretty nice trend for Rice, at least over these past few weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it. I'm like cautiously optimistic, right? There, there's so much to like about Rashi Rice, but you know the rug could kind of get pulled out from under him at, at any point considering the amount of wide receivers they have and, and that how that rotation has been. But it's definitely nice to see this um, playing time kind of increased at 28% target rate on the year. He's had over 20% target rate in six of seven games this season. Um, I, again, Mahomes, like I keep saying it, clearly wants to throw him the ball. So just getting him on the field more is is a big step in the right direction here. Um, of course, like you said, Mikko Hartman, I'm sure, is going to find a way in there in certain weeks and, and cut into that rotation a little bit as well, um, just according to the pessimist in me. But we'll see. I, I continue to be hopeful for Rice um, because he's been so good when, when given the opportunity. Um, but uh, yeah, let's let's go on to uh, more wide receiver opportunities. And uh, another group that we like to talk about is the New England Patriots, where Kendrick Bourne and Demario Douglas led the team in receiving yards. So Nate, what happened here with this rotation to put these guys at the top of the box score this week? Uh, yeah, the Patriots have become another mainstay in this kind of article based on all the changes they've been going through. Uh, last week, they had Taquan Thornton come back from injured reserve, Juju Smith-Schuster, Demario Douglas, both out with concussions. This week, Douglas came back. Smith-Schuster was still out. So uh, Douglas continued to see significant playing time. Uh, or, yeah, um, yeah, significant playing time in 11 and 12 personnel with Smith-Schuster out, and Douglas specifically played 100% of snaps in 11 and 01 personnel this week. So it was an increase in playing time both for Bourne and for Douglas with Juju Smith-Schuster out for another week. So that kind of helped him a bit in this game. Um, potentially the more interesting thing was what happened with Devontae Parker. Uh, Parker really hasn't done all that much this season, and it was thought before the season that Taquan Thornton might overtake Parker as the outside wide receiver in New England there. But um, after Parker got a, a restructured contract that pretty much guaranteed that he was going to stay with the roster, that uh, left some pessimism with Thornton. But um, Parker finally saw a pretty sizable decrease in offensive snaps in this game lower than most of his games the past two seasons outside of games where he suffered an injury, but it was at the expense of Jalen Rager rather than Tyquan Thornton. So uh, Jalen Rager, who's bounced around a little bit in the league, uh, finally may have found a home in New England, um, seeing significant playing time both in 11 and 12 personnel, a slight tendency of playing Parker in 11 and Rager in 12 personnel, but not super strong tendencies there. But it meant Thornton, who saw a decent amount of playing time last week, uh, barely saw any playing time in the offense this week. So pretty surprising that Thornton wasn't involved and Rager seems to have overpassed him on the depth chart. Um, I am optimistic about Douglas in general, uh, just because he's a rookie who's playing well and there was all this offseason hype on him and his per play stats are very good. I just know that Juju Smith-Schuster will probably be back next week, probably see at least some of those snaps in 11 personnel, and it'll be interesting to see what they do in 12 personnel with how well Kendrick Bourne has been playing. I know Bourne has also been the subject of trade rumors a little bit, so it'll be interesting to see if the Patriots make any move at wide receiver just because they have so many young players that they like in Douglas. Um, it's unclear if they still like Thornton at this point, but uh, could want to get him involved. They clearly want to get Jalen Rager a little bit more involved in the offense. So 
lots of wide receivers there, but Parker seems like he's getting phased out. So I probably would take a chance on Douglas off the waiver wire just because the trade deadline is coming up a week from tomorrow. So a couple of teams where it might be good to stash someone just because if there is a trade, then you end up with a wide receiver that's valued a lot more. Yeah, makes sense. And this is definitely a wide receiver group that could stand to to trade somebody away and, and kind of rely more on their younger players as well. And yeah, I mean, Tyquan Thornton, one catch last week, one catch this week. Devontae Parker, same exact thing, just one catch uh, in each of the past two weeks. So really kind of zero interest in these guys, obviously. But nice to see Bourne and Douglas at least be heavily involved for now. And, and hopefully it kind of stays that way and it doesn't get too messy again. But it is the Patriots. So kind of kind of have to keep your head on a swivel there um, to see how things go going forward. But uh, one more wide receiver situation to be aware, aware of is uh, the Cleveland Browns, where Donovan Peoples-Jones is trending in a negative direction over the past couple of weeks, Nate. Yeah, Peoples-Jones is someone who's very consistently played over 85% of offensive snaps these last two seasons, but that has changed. It started to change a little bit last week, and then the change was more dramatic this week. Uh, basically just losing playing time to uh, Marquise Goodwin, the 32-year-old veteran who's bounced around the league a lot, but is a deep threat just like Peoples-Jones is, so plays a very similar role in the offense. Uh, Goodwin uh, only caught one ball for seven or he had ran the ball once for 17 yards and then caught a six yard pass hasn't done all that much this season but neither has people's jones so a little bit surprised that people's jones is losing playing time without goodwin making a couple of big plays to earn that increase in playing time it might just be what they've seen in practice so far or they're just trying something different Another interesting thing is uh, Cedric Tillman, their rookie wide receiver, uh, missed last week with an injury, was a full participant in practice all week, but was inactive for this game. So it's unclear if the injury is still a problem or if he was just a healthy inactive since they have a number of backup wide receivers, including Goodwin, including David Bell, who was a starter last year. So it will be interesting to see if Tillman, um, if this was injury related and if it's was injury related and Tellman's healthy again, it's possible that Tellman will end up seeing more playing time after willing to take people's Jones off the field more often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really interesting there, especially for like those deeper leagues and, and dynasty leagues as well, right? It doesn't necessarily feel like an offense that can, you know, sustain three fantasy relevant wide receivers, but that playing time can play a part in that in those deeper leagues as well. And I mean, this is an offense that could barely sustain two uh, fantasy relevant wide receivers at this point, but it was good to see at least maybe somebody like Elijah Moore put up a season high in receiving yards this past week. And um, there, there's at least potential there if somebody can emerge uh, with some playing time. But yeah, that, that's it for our wide receivers. Let's go to uh, tight ends in a minute, but I do want to give one more quick shout out to uh, AG1, uh, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. Uh, I've been drinking it every day and I certainly need it because I'm not the most honest. uh, Honestly, I'm not the most healthiest person possible when it comes to diet. So could stand to get a little healthier in general, in general. And AG one is essentially exactly what I was looking for. Something quick and easy to build into my diet where I don't have to worry about taking so many supplements and pills. Uh, I wanted a single solution that supports my entire body and covers my nutritional bases every day. Uh, I throw AG1 into a fruit smoothie every morning, start the day off with everything I need for my body, like I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. So again, as someone who can't be alone in wanting to improve their health and has a difficult time doing so when it comes to overall diet, 
AG1 uh, has been a game changer in that regard. I get 75 high quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients and support energy, focus, strength, and clarity. I just mix one small scoop with my smoothie, drink it first thing each morning, boom, done. It's as simple as that. Another added bonus is that it costs me less than $3 a day, which is pretty good if you ask me. Um, it's a relatively effective daily habit with high quality sourced ingredients. It's a win-win. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need uh, from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash PFF. That's drinkag1.com slash PFF. Check it out now. All right, one more position group to cover. It is the tight ends, and we really should have started with this group given that it was National Tight Ends Day. So hopefully these guys will forgive us for the disrespect in not putting them first this week, but tight, tight ends day is over now. Um, so let's uh, let's let's look at it as saving the best for last at least. So Nate, uh, we, we talked about him last week um, because the arrow continues to point up for, for rookie tight end uh, Michael Mayer. I did put in three tight end stories this week rather than just the usual yeah, two. <laughs> so I did honor National Tight End Day a little bit with this. So um, with Michael Mayer, we talked about him last week where he saw a significant increase in playing time and 11 personnel consistently playing in 12 and 21 and 20 per 22 personnel all season. But it was 11 personnel that was the big difference last week. And he put together five passes for 75 yards. Uh, this week, um, going behind the scenes a little bit, um, I'm starting to write these articles in the second half of games. So I look for trends that I think will continue throughout the game. And Michael Mayer uh, was seeing an even higher percentage of offensive snaps in this game. So I was excited to write about him. Then we get to the end of the game, and then I see his played a lower percentage of snaps than he did last week. So I was worried he got injured or something. But this was a case where he played... And 46 of the first 50 snaps, just taking a couple plays off and 11 personnel, uh, one play where they didn't have any tight ends on the field. And then because uh, they were playing in a blowout where they were losing to Chicago, they took out a number of key starters for the last 10 minutes of the game, uh, took out Josh Jacobs, took out Devontae Adams and took out Michael Mayer. So it was interesting to see since sometimes uh, teams just take out their star players and having Mayer be in the same group with Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs was pretty interesting to see that they viewed him in the same way where someone like Jacoby Myers continued playing throughout the last 10 minutes of the game. So it was uh, good to see that. It did mess up my line graphs that I like to have for these players because his snaps ended up decreasing because he didn't play in the last 10 minutes. But it was a good thing that he didn't play in the last 10 minutes because they view him in the same light that they view their other star players. So didn't end up with much receiving work in this game. Uh, four targets, two receptions, 13 yards. It was with Brian Hoyer at quarterback rather than uh, Jimmy G, who Jimmy G has a long history of throwing to tight ends. So not all that concerned about the target share in this game. Um, it will be probably the biggest concern for him going forward now that his playing time is so high, uh, just because they do have Devontae Adams and they do need to get Adams the ball a lot. It was interesting to see the first quarter of this game. Like he had a target share in the 70% or so range, uh, had nearly all of the receiving yards, all of the offensive yards in general, and then they stopped giving him the ball as much over the course of the rest of the game, but after he complained last week. So I think it will be interesting to see how much they end up getting the ball to Maris since they do still like Josh Jacobs and they do still like Devontae Adams, but um, he's definitely the 
young tight end that I'd be wanting to stash on my roster right now because he has a chance to break out in a big way over the rest of the season in a similar way that Darren Waller had been a star tight end in this offense in the past. Yeah, yeah. This was uh Kate and I talked about it in the the preview show like that this could be, you know, a nice squeaky wheel game for Devonte Adams. It really started that way and then it just yeah, like you said it kind of faded away at at later in the game which was which was interesting to see, but I think like you said Michael Mayer really good example of why you don't just focus on the box score, right? Because that usage um, itself is the key here. And like you said, getting taken out with the starters uh, is crucial. So just, I know he just had four targets, two catches for 13 yards, but um, really encouraging usage there for Michael uh, Mayer going forward. Um, all right, another rookie tight end worth talking about here. And that is over in Buffalo where Dalton Kincaid has himself a very strong day, eight targets, eight catches, 75 yards. What did the usage look like for these uh, Bills tight ends, Nate? Uh, the Bills tight ends were really similar to what we've seen in the past. Uh, Kincaid did miss last week with the concussion, but going back before that, it's been uh, using those two tight ends, uh, Dawson Knox and Kincaid, in two tight end sets a lot of the time. Uh, they'll both play a lot in 11 personnel, pretty well split the playing time there. But whenever Kincaid's on the field, that's a pretty strong indication they'll throw the ball, where when Knox is on the field, that can be pretty split between the two. Um, it is worth noting that third-string tight end Quinton Morris did miss this game with an ankle injury. Not sure how long he will be out for, but that did probably help Kincaid's playing time at least a little bit. Um, the big promising thing in this game is just his target share was much higher than it's been in past weeks, so that helped him to get, I believe it was eight receptions in this game, so just good to see him break out on National Tight End Day. Um, it'll be interesting to see if his target share continues to be this high. Um, just an aside, it's been interesting. This rookie receiver class in general, both that wide receiver and tight end, has been very strong this year. Um, we've talked about the tight ends before. We have some of the most historic tight end numbers we've seen in the past decade. And even wide receivers, like I tweeted last night about the third round wide receivers and how much receiving yards they have in the past decade compared to other receivers at this point. Uh, Josh Downs has his second most receiving yards for a third round wide receiver at this point of the season. Michael Wilson's third, Tank Dell is fourth, and Jaylet Hyatt is ninth. So four players in this third round class that are having very good seasons so far. And now we have tight ends who were drafted high in the NFL draft. And uh, Sam Laporte is still lapping the competition right now among the rookie tight ends. But Kincaid, Meyer, both players who could very well be fantasy starters over the course of the rest of the season. Yeah, this has been awesome to see and, and nice to see Kincaid uh, getting involved as well. And then this is kind of the hope for him right in, in this offense is that over the course of the season, he'd maybe slowly separate himself from Dawson Knox and playing time and that that would translate to fantasy production. Like you said, it was close, um, but the usage is there for, for Kincaid, right? Like he, Knox played a couple more snaps in the red zone than Kincaid, but um, they both got targets there, but Kincaid's came on like a crucial kind of fourth and two when they had no one lined up in the backfield. There were obvious, obviously passing in that situation. Knox wasn't even on the field for that play, right? So um, nice to kind of see him at least slowly separating himself in those um, fantasy relevant snaps for, for uh, Dalton Kincaid. So um, we got one more tight end uh, to talk about, and this one is one that maybe isn't as worth uh, worthy of a roster spot at this point in the year. What is going on with Hunter Henry of the New England Patriots? 
Uh, yeah, it's just the Patriots love to rotate a lot of players in and out. And if they don't have a star player at a position, then they will continue to rotate them in and out. So we've seen Henry, who had a very strong start to the season, was consistently um, getting over 50 receiving yards, scoring touchdowns here and there. His playing time has just dropped uh, significantly each and every week. And that continued to the point where he was only playing about half of the offensive snaps in this game. Um, a big part of it was 12 personnel where Mike Gusecki, uh Farrell Brown, who's been a more run-blocking tight end throughout his career but keeps making big plays in the passing game, and Gusecki um, scoring that touchdown at the end. Uh, he's been having a decent season but maybe not as much playing time. Uh, both of them were playing more often in 12 personnel than Henry, which is pretty alarming considering Gusecki uh, has traditionally been specifically a receiving tight end he didn't work out in miami because he wasn't as much of a run blocker so the fact that he is run blocking over henry is a little bit surprising and then henry remained the primary tight end in 11 personnel so he's still the top receiving tight end in new england but only played 19 of a possible 36 snaps out of 11 personnel with both gasecki and brown getting some playing time there too so uh, he caught two passes of his three targets for 27 yards only caught one pass for seven yards in his previous two games. So really not nearly as much receiving work as he was seeing at the start of the season. And this seems like a trend that will continue. I think they'll continue having a three-man rotation at tight end over the rest of the season. Maybe something similar to what we've seen in Seattle in recent seasons or Indianapolis in recent seasons where they have guys who will make plays and in DFS uh, could be someone to take a chance on, but in redraft, season-long leagues, probably not anyone that we can rely on. So if you were someone that was still holding on to Henry after his strong start to the season, I'd be fine dropping him at this point. Yeah, I, I'm with you. This just this offense, it's not one that we're going to rely on players who aren't seeing ideal snap shares. It's just not good enough for consistent fantasy production. So I, I'm with you. I am looking elsewhere at tight end if I can um, and saying adios to Hunter Henry as well. Um, I think that's pretty much it. That's going to do it for our weekly recap here. Again, if there was something that you had hoped we, we would cover from yesterday's game but didn't, you can surely find it on pff.com uh, in Nate's game-by-game write-ups. Go check those out now. Um, Nate, what else do you have for the fine folks on the site today? Sure. So the complete recaps to all of the games from yesterday. So go into a lot more detail than we had in this top 10 recap. Also have waiver wires this week, which we'll talk about tomorrow. It will be a bit of a lighter week just because we didn't have that many injuries. So there aren't a lot of new opportunities for players, just players who saw maybe increases in playing time this past week or other situations that could be changing. But if you want to read about that now, you can, or we'll cover it tomorrow on the podcast. Uh, from there, uh, today we'll be writing the five to add, five to drop, five to buy low, five to sell high, which will be out tomorrow. We'll also be updating my rest of season rankings, which will go up tomorrow. And then tonight we'll be writing the Monday Night Football recap, which will be going up right after Monday Night Football, which it's a bit of a travesty that they had National Tight End Day yesterday and then they're giving us TJ Hawkinson <laughs> and George Kittle tonight. When, if you were looking at the bottom of the screen just a minute ago, it was showing the other top tight ends all had huge games on National Tight End Day. Kelsey, Waller, uh, Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, the top four tight ends. So the four guys that you would have expected yesterday. So 
definitely a good day for tight ends yesterday. We'll see if that continues tonight, but we'll have the recap immediately after the game for anyone who wants to read that. Nice. Yeah, I like it. And uh, yeah, again, check all of that out. Thank you all for tuning in. Please don't forget to uh, like and subscribe to the PFF Fantasy YouTube channel. Uh, Another huge thank you to the PFF Data Collection team for crushing another weekend of football so that we can bring you the best football data in the multiverse. We will be back tomorrow talking those top waiver targets, like Nate said. So good luck in your Monday Night Football matchups tonight. And until next time, peace out.